0: Living the Dream Productions presents Conversations with Kane. and welcome to another fantastic episode of Conversations with Kane. I'm your host Kane Jones, and with this podcast, I set out from the beginning, this is season 2, and from the beginning, the very first episode of season 1, I had the vision of having, you know, guests on because I thought having conversations with amazing people that could, you know, share their story, give their perspectives and insights Um, You know, I thought that what better way to to collaborate and to have these people on and have um, creative discussions. And so without further ado, this is episode 19, my guest for this episode, Talar. Can you hear me?
1: Yes, I can hear you, Kane.
0: Awesome. Thank you for doing this, first and foremost.
1: Yeah, no problem. Thanks for inviting me. I... I enjoy talking to interesting people and sharing my story. And um, infotainment is mm-hmm. is my jam. Right. I enjoy that.
0: Well, if you uh, on that note, if you could tell me a little bit about yourself to start off.
1: Sure. Um, I well, let's start at the beginning. I uh, was born in Beirut, Lebanon a uh, few months before the civil war to Armenian parents wow. I'm Armenian and I speak Armenian fluently uh but I've never been to Armenia which is kind of the result of the Armenian genocide everybody kind of got dispersed um hmm. during that time and some fun facts about my family no there's only four of us from my nuclear family and we are not born in the same country all four of us are born in a different country wow and so I um, I shortly after was I was born, I uh, moved to Saudi Arabia with my parents where my dad had gotten um, a teaching position for Aramco, the Arabian American Oil Company. And their thought was that they would spend a few years there in Saudi Arabia making American dollars. I remember that was such a big deal. Mm-hmm. We're going to make American dollars right. because the Lebanese lira was – pretty worthless even even more so now but even then you know it it wasn't Mm. worth that much so they figured spend a few years making some good money american dollars didn't even have to pay taxes on it um and then return to lebanon to you know raise their family well you know nobody expected that civil war to last i think it was 15 years or so um so i grew up in Dahran, Saudi Arabia, my ethnic background being Armenian, my citizenship was Lebanese, but I grew—I was raised an American because I grew up in an American compound. I went to private American schools, and that was based on my uh, father's employer. So I had a lot of identity issues when I was younger because we'd go back to Lebanon to visit and family there would say, Oh, the Americans are here. I'd never even been to America at the time. Mm -hmm. Um, so it, so it was kind of interesting. And the, uh, private American school, I went to Dahran Academy. It only went until the ninth grade. After that time, my parents were going to have to send me to boarding school. Um, Mm -hmm. And my parents were not going to send a 12-year-old to boarding school in some other country. So they started thinking about where they're going to relocate to. I mean, had it not been for our school system, I think my parents would have stayed there. Um, I have other friends I went to school with. Their parents are still there, um, you know, doing really well for themselves. But my parents uh, made uh, it a priority that my brother and I would, have opportunities growing up and the decision was going to be between Australia where we had family or America in California. Ultimately they decided Southern California. Uh, we, we emigrated and it was, uh, a cluster Mm. (laughs) because we'd relied on family who, um, we'd been sending money to, to secure our green card and secure, um, Business that my parents were going to buy, because even without a work permit, apparently they'd be able to purchase a business for some income. The business had already been sold when we arrived to someone else, and they hadn't told us. The green card was nowhere to be seen, um, and so it was it was a difficult situation. And um, ultimately, my dad was able to secure uh, sponsorship through a private army and school that he worked for. And um, that's how we ended up getting our green card. I later uh, went on um, to college in California, went to UC Irvine, Ant Eater. Um Before starting college, or actually it was the first year, I was 18, I started my legal career as a file clerk at a national employment law firm called Fisher & Phillips, and through my work there, I decided I wanted to become an employment lawyer, Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, I I was a naive college student, I I wanted to make a difference in the world, uh, and I felt like Being a management side employment lawyer, I could actually help the victim before there was a victim. That I would be on the inside and that the companies would listen to my advice. And and that's how I was going to help employees in the greater good. Um, Went on to law school in San Francisco. Um, After graduating, I went to another law firm for a couple of years and then returned back to Fisher and Phillips as an associate later becoming a partner, and then I left about 10 and a half years ago to work in-house for um, one of my clients, and that is Vista Ford at Lincoln in Southern California. I am still working for them, um, and I am grateful every single day uh, that I have such a wonderful job. So I don't know if that was five minutes or 10 <laughs> minutes or 20, but that is my life in, in a nutshell. And wow. then there's
0: a lot of in between. <laughs> That's a lot, but it's it's so fascinating to me. It really is, Ge- and I gen- genuinely mean that as well. Um, I was looking at your uh, your LinkedIn uh, bio. Um, I was just curious what general counsel by day means. Could you explain oh, that?
1: Yeah, of course. Uh, general counsel, I. I'm general counsel for Vista Ford Lincoln dealerships in okay, Southern okay. California, so I am their lawyer. Right. I I, I work for them in house, and okay. my title is general counsel. Uh, and then you'll notice if you continue the tagline, it's children's book author by night, and um, that is my my creative outlet. that <laughs> Right. Uh, <laughs> that I enjoy very much, mm-hmm. and I wrote a children's book called Ralphie's Rules for Living the Good Life. <laughs> it was inspired by the Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz, okay. um, and I I published it earlier this year, uh, and in with with the intent and and plan for creating passive income for orphanages that I support in Lebanon. Right. Um, this year, I've earmarked all profits from the book sales to go to Bird's Nest Orphanage in Beirut and the Armenian Evangelical Boarding School in Anjad. Um, and the reason I started supporting uh, these orphanages is um, because my father died in 2006 in Lebanon. Mm. And I, I um, very much sympathize mm. with anyone who sure. has to deal with the loss of a parent. Sure. I, I don't think it is, um, I don't think it's easy, no, no matter what the circumstance, whether it's expected or not. Mm. Um, in my particular situation, my father had gone to Lebanon, where we still have a house, mm. and he would go every year to visit his family, he'd go in the spring and he'd come back by October for my birthday. In 2006, he left, um, I think it was March or April, and then July 13th, uh, war broke out after Mm. Hezbollah had kidnapped three Israeli soldiers. Wow.
0: Um,
1: And my my dad was still in Lebanon. Uh, The U.S. was evacuating Americans out of Beirut. He was in the mountain village of Anjad in the Beka Valley, um, which is closer to the Syrian border. And so it's not like it was very easy for him, you know, to get to Beirut, even though under normal circumstances, it would be an hour drive, but when there's a war going Mm. on, bombs left and right, Mm -hmm. that that hour drive is is quite a bit. And not to mention the fact that, I mean, we, we were accustomed to war, for better or for worse. Uh, we used to go back to Lebanon when we were living in Saudi Arabia when the civil war was going on, and it wasn't a big deal. I mean, it was like, you know, doing any kind of trip here in the United States. I, I grew up flying into Damascus and then driving into our uh, village, even while there was a civil war going on. Um, so he wasn't very... Uh, concerned about it when I talked to him. He said, this will blow over. You know, it's just another skirmish. Mm -hmm. Well, it it didn't blow over very quickly. I mean, it didn't blow over until I think it was uh, mid to late August. During that time, my father fell ill and um, he was taken to a hospital, but the hospital turned him away because the doctors had fled. So he was returned back home with my cousin. It was actually my dad's cousin who was taking care of him. Um, in the meantime, I was trying to find ways to get him out. Uh, you know, calling whatever congressman I could find. I even got in touch with the Lebanese army, who mm. was trying to find a way to get him out with a military tank. Um, and none of none of those things panned out. And then I got a call from my dad's cousin one night saying your your dad's not being forthcoming with you. He's on his deathbed, and if you want to see him before he dies, you need to come here right now. and And I had no idea. I mean, when my dad said he'd gotten sick and wanted to come home, I didn't know it was that bad. Um, but uh, i I didn't question <laughs> what mm. my cousin said. And uh, the next day, I was on a flight to Damascus with my mom and my brother. Um, and it was miracle after miracle. Um, trying to get into a country that's in the middle of a war is very difficult, just FYI for anybody listening. Um, that's a part of my humor coming through. My, I contacted my travel agent, Suzette Jordan Passmore, who has since passed away. Um, And I told her, I said, I need three tickets to get into Damascus by tomorrow. And she said, I don't know if that's going to be possible, but she delivered. Each ticket was $5,000 and I would have paid anything for it. We flew into Damascus, um, didn't know what we're going to do once we got there because we didn't have visas and we didn't know how we're going to get over to Lebanon, but there was a man standing there with my name on it and my mom says to me were you expecting someone i said no <laughs> she said who is that i said i don't know so i went up to him and i said i'm talar and he explained that his employer whose niece was my college uh friend had sent him to the airport after finding out what we were going through to help us get out um, And I was not expecting this. I had no idea. Mm -hmm. So he got us through the airport without anyone asking for papers, drove us to the border, Um, had to get out of the car and then walk across the border because it had been bombed out. So no cars could get through. He accompanied us to the other side of the border in Lebanon and found us another driver to take us the rest of the way. We got to our house. My dad was still alive and alert but just emaciated his you know there's nothing left of his body and he had an oxygen tank and uh he died 12 hours later but you know i i got to um be with him in his you know in his final moments and Mm -hmm. um that was really really important to me one of my biggest fears was my dad dying alone because that's what had happened to my grandfather his father and um it would you know it was just I felt like it was just heart-wrenching mm-hmm. and I I just I couldn't I don't know if I could have lived with myself if, if I hadn't made it over to him so I'm so grateful mm-hmm. I mean I it was a sad experience that i I'm so grateful <laughs> you mm-hmm. know that, that mm-hmm. I got sure. to be with yeah. him that that is really what I focus yeah. on um and so to keep his memory alive because I I don't want to forget him and yeah. I don't want the world to forget him right I raised money for uh, the orphanages there in Lebanon in, in his honor and it is amazing trying to you know make a make a difference the the little bit that I can so the the proceeds from Ralphie's rules, uh, go to those two orphanages this year. And I, I also run the Salt Lake city half marathon every year and pick mm-hmm. a project at one or two of the orphanages, um, to donate the money. And in the past, you know, it's been to fix vehicles to, um, create, you know, renovate a new room, one thing or another. Um, but this year it's, they just need food. Mm -hmm. So everything I raise will just go towards their monthly food budget. And, um, yeah, so that's, that's, what's going on in my world.
0: Incredible. Um, what a story. I mean, I'm, I'm blown away right now. Um, I mean, you are solely the reason for me doing this show because I um, for those that are willing like you to open up like that um, to have people on like you um, to share their story is what I set out to do from the start you know and now everyone's not as willing to open up like you are I mean some people are but not everyone and so uh, I sincerely thank you for sharing that story it's incredible
1: yeah no, I, I appreciate it. I, I think um, everybody has a story worth sharing. Mm-hmm, right. um, I, I don't fault anybody who isn't comfortable sharing it. Um, I just hope that it isn't because of fear that it's not a worthwhile right story. Mm-hmm. You know uh, I don't think I don't think we're in competition with one another. I think there's a reason that every single one of us are here on earth. Mm-hmm. And we have a purpose, and um, I think the the colorful, beautiful, hard <laughs> stories that we have all have a purpose and a reason. And you know, I, I think that we can learn a lot from one another.
0: Mm. Well said. Um, with that, um, we'll uh, wrap up. I do want to um, some to kind of conclude here. Um, with wishing you a belated birthday. I saw on the highlights down there on LinkedIn that you just had a birthday on the 22nd. So happy birthday.
1: Well, thank you. Yes, I did. 47 years around the sun. (laughs) Very grateful for it. Um, And if I may make just a quick little pitch and ask, the The children's book that I referenced is available on Amazon. Yes. it's called Ralphie's Rules for Living the Good Life. It's available uh, on Kindle ebook if you want to get it that way. Or the hard copy is beautiful. The publisher did a great job. Mm-hmm. Um, my illustrator for the book is a woman in Armenia. I I was looking for ways to try to keep them employed and right. you know give opportunities. I do have of a course. second book available. Um, not yet available but it is coming out that i wrote with my eight-year-old son it's the second book in the series and hopefully that'll be available next year but please uh take a moment either purchase the book yourself or or share it with others and please write a review that would be so very helpful and help me accomplish my goal of creating a passive source of income for these orphanages
0: thank you amazing uh once again talar thank you for being here Um, It's been an absolute pleasure to have you on. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you, Kate.
0: Wow. So inspiring. What a story. What an amazing story. Um, Just a, a great story that she told of hardships um, and, and just her going through everything in order to get to where she is today, she succeeded in her own right, she created opportunities for herself, she is incredible, my guest for this episode, 19 of Conversations with Kane Talar, she was incredible, so go follow her, go pick up her book, buy it, Ralphie's Rules, another plug for that, I mean, she is just amazing, um, author incredible businesswoman and a mother i mean she's amazing so go follow her once again big shout out to her for coming on and follow me kane jones um my handle is at that fly drummer on all platforms and or kane jones and make sure you follow me for more episodes and more content of conversations We are nearing the end. There's only a few more episodes that I am going to do. So stay tuned for that. And stay blessed, people. Thrive and prosper. Peace. This has been a Living the Dream production. Reduction.